title of the message today is Something Smells, all right? Let's just go for that. Something Smells. And uh, so open your Bible to John chapter 12. Um, this passage is also in um, Matthew 26 and in Mark 14. It's in three of the four Gospels. That's pretty important. And um, something smells. So we've talked about a lot of good smells, but how about this? How about some bad smells? Should I put some on the screen for you just to kind of get your nose flaring? Yeah, act like men porta potties. Nothing like them. Ripe, right? Been out there sitting in the sun for like four days and you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Can I go to the bathroom and plug my nose at the same time? Then rotten eggs. Gross. I've never even been around rotten eggs, but I've smelled the smell. And then this. Yeah, yeah, that's all f- together familiar in my house. My college roommate, name not to be mentioned, had the worst photo, foot odor in the whole world. It was horrible. It is the worst. And then just flat out, if you're pit staining, man, like, Hopefully it doesn't smell, because sometimes it doesn't. But if it does, I'm just telling you, that's nasty. Um, find a deodorant that works. And uh, especially you young teens growing up, uh, let's get after some deodorant. All right. Anyway, there's some nasty, nasty smells. And here in our passage, it's going to say this phrase. I want you to think about this phrase. The house was filled with the fragrance. Everybody say that. The house was filled with the fragrance. The house was filled with the fragrance. I want you to get that in your heart and mind right now. The house, this tabernacle of God, was filled with the fragrance. So my life, your life, it smells. It's filled with the fragrance. And I want to get after today, what does my life smell like? What does my life, what does your life, what does our church smell like? Right? And that's what we're going to get after today. All right, here's the first thing. Ah, Let me just read the passage first. I want to read all three, but for sake of time, I'm not going to do it. So you got to go do that on your own. Matthew 26, there's some stuff in there that's not in this. You know, there's different perspectives and you get extra things. It's kind of cool when you put all the accounts together. It's just like, hey, I get a clearer picture of the whole thing. So I might add a few comments um, just to give you a better picture. And Mark 14 has the same scenario. Matthew and Mark are so similar, but John's a little bit different. He's filling in more. And so let's just read it together. John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover. Again, I'll reference this. There's a countdown clock to the Passover. It's a big deal. It's when Jesus is going to die, right? He's going to be dead. He's going to be the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Just like he said. It's a significant day. And so six days before, it's Dun, 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 dun. March to the cross. Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany. He was hiding out in the wilderness of Ephraim last time we left off. Now he's moving to Bethany. That's two miles away from Jerusalem. It's like, eek, you know. Where Lazarus was. Why was Lazarus? Oh, he's going to fill you in. Here it is. 
whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him. Who's him? Church, who's him? They gave a dinner for him. It's Jesus. They gave a dinner for him there. They gave a dinner for Jesus. Uh, just You write this down in your notes or in your Bible, the word honor. There's some honor going on for Jesus. They're honoring Jesus with their life. And I want to say that when we honor Jesus, that that smells good to the Lord and to others. There's an honor there. And it says, Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table, and Mary therefore took a pound, 12 ounces liquid, of expensive ointment made from pure nard, which you would get in India, northern India, very rare, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. Not to be confused with the passage in Luke, where the adulterous woman was wiping Jesus' feet. This is another occasion. And there's our phrase. Underline it in your Bible, please. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with the fragrance. They were filled up. And it was strong. Like if you went and closed the doors for a while in the breezeway. And you just sat in there. One of the greeters was like, are you serious right now? And I'm like, yep, I am. That's part of the illustration of the message. It was filled up with the smell of cinnamon, right? All right. But Judas Iscariot, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Judas, one of his disciples, seems like he's a good guy in parentheses, who was about to betray him. It seems like all of the writers of Scripture couldn't mention the name of Judas without saying his worst moment. He said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? Just to be clear, a denarii is a day's wage, is what you would get for working a day. I know that that's different for everyone here. We each work day's wages and, you know, Some of us get more than others, but you understand what you get, what you make in a day. Would you give that to the Lord, a day's wage? Well, she gave 300 days' wages to the Lord in one fail swoop. Just think about that now. Would you give, you know what you make in a year. That's your bottom line. You know what your bottom line is. Would you give what you made in a whole year to Jesus? Mind-blowing, the sacrifice that she's making here. It was probably all she had, right? I mean, it's probably her investments, her life savings, her that was her. And she gave her everything to the Lord. I want to exhort us with that today. Um, I feel the need to say this right now. I'm really struggling with self-righteousness today because in some ways I feel like I am pouring out my whole life to God, not just a year's wages, but everything. And I, I believe there will be some of you that will feel the same. Like, no, I go on mission trips. No, I, I'm here at 8 o'clock or 6 o'clock in the morning every Sunday to set up or tear down. And, and uh, I'm giving everything to the Lord. You know, I, I work at this soup kitchen or missions agency or 
whatever. I just feel this real weight of self-righteousness on myself and probably on us. We're here. We're the choir. We're the church people, right? We just got done singing and exhorting God. We're poured all out. And I don't want to rebuke you because I don't know your heart. Um, but, I, but I do want to speak truth into my own life, which is, hey, don't be self-righteous. Don't think you've arrived when you haven't arrived. And so I just felt the need to say that. Um, I think this is a big stretch, right? 300 denarii, a whole year's wages, pushing it all into the table and saying, Judas, let's get back to him. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii, a whole year's wages, and given to the poor? Huh, huh, huh? And if you look at the other passages, it wasn't just him. He was the spokesman, but the other disciples were doing the same. And he said this, not because he cared about the poor, oh wow, but because he was a thief. Aren't you glad when the Holy Spirit gives you insights? I mean, how would you know that apart from the Holy Spirit <laughs> through John telling you? You'd be like, hey, that's a great argument. Like, the poor are important. What are you wasting this for? Stop. Kind of like at our house, right? When we, I'm like, don't throw that away. We don't waste food at our house. There's there's kids in China that don't eat. Dad and mom ever say that to you? Just me? Okay, my dad and mom said that to me. And then I'd be like smug and say, how are you going to get it there? I mean, it's just dumb. We are a wasteful society. We can just, we can just take that lump, right? We're a throw it away. We're a McDonald's fast food disposable society. And there's some of that that is functional, and there's some of that to grieve us. Let's be balanced in our approach. And having charge of the money bag. Now, money bag gives it like a kind of like a leather, you know, feel. But but here's what it really looks like. This is from Nicaragua. This is a little uh, box that I I picked up when I was there, and um, this is what it would have looked like. Just a little like a wood box that you would put money in, you would store money in, and he would have this in his pocket, and he would carry it. He was the treasurer, all right? So he had, he had this. He used, it to help, he used to help himself to what he was put into it. So people would give money to Jesus, to the disciples, and he used to be like, well, one for me, one for you, one for me, one for you. You know, it's sad. I hope that you're not doing that with God's money. I hope that you're not stealing from the Lord. I hope not. I, I, I would warn against that. That's not a good plan. Micah 3 is a great passage to go. Somebody needs to write that down right now. Micah 3 is a great place to go to get on that page. Jesus rebukes the religious leaders hard about stealing from him. And I think that's a great passage to go and just test yourself on. Let's finish. Jesus said, you leave her alone. That's what it literally is. You leave her alone so that she may keep it, or, or better yet, uh, leave her alone. She intended to keep it until the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. 
When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came. Not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. That means they were already had a plan to put Jesus to death, right? I mean, we get the as well, that what that means. We're going to kill Jesus. Now we're going to kill Lazarus. No evidence. You know, these are Sadducees, right? They don't believe in the resurrection. So this is a problem. They have a resurrected guy, and they're like, hold on, that is like not in accordance with our theology, so we have to like get rid of that evidence if we're going to keep believing this. Because on account of him, Lazarus, and his testimony, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. All right, that's our food for today. i got to get on my horse now because I've taken a long time to set it up. But what does my life smell like? Well, there's something that stinks really bad in the passage. Can you get to it? Something smells really, I mean, it's like it's got my attention. I can't get off of it. I have to go to this first. It stinks. And maybe there's something in your life like that. You're like, oh, this one area, man, it smells. I got to go that first, right? So here it is, Judas. When I steal time, talents, and treasure from Jesus, my life is spoiled. It's rotten. It stinks. Go ahead, write it down in your notes. When I steal time, talents, and treasure from my life stinks. When I steal that from Jesus, my life stinks. It smells. It's spoiled rotten. And the Bible's clear that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. The Bible's clear that one rotten apple will make a bushel of rotten apples. Go ahead, take a rotten apple, put it in a bag with a bunch of other good apples, stick it in the closet, and when you come back, you're going to smell it. <laughs> it ain't going to be nice. And you're going to see that in the passage. Judas starts this smelly thing. He starts this rebuke of Mary and her sacrifice to Jesus. And all the disciples pile on and like, yeah, we should have sold this. And what are you doing, woman? Let me explain it to you this way. Jesus was seek, uh, Judas, sorry, not Jesus. I don't want to get those two names confused again, okay? If I do, could you just like correct me? Like, hey, whoa, whoa, wait, pastor, wait a second. Like, no, 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 wait, wait. Okay, please help me. Judas was seeking to get what he could out of a bad situation. That, that was his motive. Judas was ready to bail on the whole operation. Jesus wasn't who he thought he was. He wasn't the military leader, the guy that was set up his kingdom. I was going to be a high-ranking official, maybe the treasurer of the kingdom. And so Judas was looking for an exit ramp, and he wanted to bail. And that 300 denarii would have been an awesome parting gift. And he's ticked that it isn't coming his way. Let's just get the straight motives of it. That smells. That smells. God just brought something to mind. I don't know whether to say it or not, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> All right, this is going to sting a little bit. I don't know what you give. I want you to know that. That's going to change at some point, right? Because I don't think that that's healthy, that your pastor has his head in the sand, not knowing whether you're in or out, okay? This is probably the wrong time to tell you, but I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this to you right now. 
our church has been through a lot of hard times. And when you go through hard times, I think people are like cautious. And they're like, "Mm, maybe I should withhold my tithe for a while. Maybe I should see how things shake out. Maybe I should wait and see. I'll take a wait and see approach. There's some wisdom in that. Uh, Don't get me wrong. But there's also some wickedness in that. If this is the place you're being fed, you can go ahead and give your 10% to the Lord here. And if you choose not to at some point be here, that's okay. You can take that 10% and give it to another local body that God will bless in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? So I, I don't know why I feel proud of this. That's not in my notes. I hope it doesn't sting too bad. But I'm telling you, we have to tell the truth in church. If, if I was just withholding my tithe, withholding my tithe, stirring it up, well, if this thing goes well, then I'll give it all. I just don't think that's on God's plan. Again, reference Malachi chapter 3. I'm back. Judas was so persuasive and seemingly righteous in his indignation that the other disciples picked up the criticism and rebuke and they went after her harshly. Here's what I want to say about that. Evil spreads quickly. And even to leaders, it can be carried along. And we can be turned to do what God wants us to do. Or we can be turned to do what Satan's calling us in a twisted way to think is right. Even negativity in the church can get like that, can it? It's like, I'm kind of down on my church right now. It spreads like wildfire. I think we got to be careful of that. So, I've kind of been picking on Christmas today. Have I not? Anybody? Have I been picking on Christmas? All right, let's just keep going then. I've kind of been picking on Christmas, um, you know, because it takes a lot of time, talent, and treasure, and a lot of resources, and a lot of everything, and it's a stealer of all of what we should be maybe giving to the Lord. Now, I've got to be careful there because you could do it with a great heart and it would be as unto the Lord, right? So just, just not get judgmental now, okay? Everybody say not judgmental. Right, I felt a little heavy in here right now. Just not judgmental, all right? We're not being judgmental today. We love each other. We want the best for each other. We think the best of each other, right? Okay, all right. But, but just like that, right? Just think about the amount of money you spend, the amount of time you'll spend on Christmas. But there's other things in your life like that too. I don't want to just pick on Christmas. Go search your life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a pleasure-seeking thing. And my point with this point is Judas is selfish. Can you see it in the text? Can anybody see that? Judas is self-serving, selfish. All he wants is what he wants. That's it. That's not the way we as Christians, we as church people, we as followers of Jesus are supposed to act. We are supposed to act selfless, not selfish. And Judas stinks. And sometimes I'm Judas, and when I am, I stink. I smell. And he's not the only one. Look down at verses 9 through 11. A large crowd learned that Jesus was there. They came. Why'd they come? Because they're thrill-seeking, pleasure-seeking, 
What if he does another miracle? What if he does a miracle in my life? It'll be awesome if it's awesome to me. This is the same crowd that a day later is going to have palm branches and say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Woohoo! This is awesome. And less than a week later are going to be over here saying, Crucify him! Now just think about the nonsense of that. And then think about your own life. That wrecks me. I'm over here like, God is awesome. I'm holding my Bible up. All his promises are true. It's amazing today. And then I'm over here on this side. And I'm like, I don't know if you can do it, God. Or, Or worse yet. I just flat out blatantly sin and reject Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We've all been there. In the same week, I've been there. In the same 24 hours, I've been there. And so i got to point out the thing that smells in the passage. It's me. It's you. It's us. It's Judas. It's the crowd. It's the self-centered, I'm selfish, I want it my way. Christianity. And it is in vogue, man. If this church doesn't fit you, some other church will. It's in vogue. It's a fad. Where's the best church right now, today? Let's go there. I'm done with that. I'm done. Church is not about me. Church is not about you. Church is about Jesus Christ. Church is about our Lord and Savior getting as low as we can and lifting his name as high as we can. It's about rolling up and using our time, talent, treasure, our gifts. It's not about stealing from the Lord. It's about giving to the Lord. That's what church is. If you came today and you're like, whoop, I didn't sign up for that. I'm sorry. But that's the truth. That's what real church is like. And this church is venturing to be that church. I pray. I think I've been honest about the smell. Serving Jesus and doing life together as a church isn't a priority anymore. I've noticed a trend even since we've been here in the last eight years where somebody will call Harvest their home if they come to church once a month. I'm astounded by that. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you would be like, this is my church home. You're my pastor. I come 12 times a year. I get it. Like, it's busy, right? But it's not that busy. It's not that busy. Two times a month? Three times a month? Four times a month? Does it matter how many times a month? How about this? Every time I can be there, humanly possible, I will be there, and I mean be there. I don't mean like show up like consumer Christianity. I mean be there. Like as in I'm here, all in, ready, let's go. (laughs) I'm not looking for people to come up to me and say hello and how are you doing? I'm going to them. If they need more people in children's ministry, I'm signing up today. That's on me. 
Or if they need more, if I walk in and I don't get greeted, I'm turning around facing the door and I'm greeting. Here I am. That's the kind of church we need revival, church. We need revival. I used to preach on this all the time. I'm so sorry. I've fallen off my own way. This is not good. I repent, right? I don't know where the John the Baptist in me went, but I'm telling you, we need revival in our own lives, in our own families, in this church, in this city. We need revival. What happens in this church and in this city if we go all in? If we leave the crowd mentality behind, right, and we become committed to Jesus Christ, all in. What happens when this many people say, I'm all in? I want to see that. I want to see what happens when that happens. I think this floor gets full. I think that balcony gets full. I think that children's ministry gets full. And not just of kids, but of volunteers. And man, I can't wait to see that happen. And I believe it in Jesus' name. I believe that. I believe that your people that are hearing me and are saying, I want that too, Steve. Let's go for that. And I believe that you'll fail at it just like I will and have to preach that hard message and say revival is what we need. And I believe we can do it together as we go forward. Let's do it, church. Let's go all in. Let's read the Bible tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Let's do what it says. Let's come to church. Let's go all in. Let's give all we've got. Now I'm on the first point. And nobody's nervous. I'm nervous. But I'm cranked up. So praise the Lord. All right. Thank you, Lord, for bringing that out. All right. Number two. Here's the smell. When I serve Jesus... With my talents, my life is seen. When I serve Jesus with my talents, my life is seen. Now, just look up at verse 2. So they gave a dinner to honor him, right? First point, two words. Martha served. <laughs> That's it. Martha served. Martha did what she did. Martha did what she always did. Martha used her gifts for the Lord. Now, I know she got rebuked for being kind of fussy about it and wanting other people to do the thing, right? Like, that's not my spirit today. I'm not like, why don't you help me? Woe is me. I'm a pastor. I'm doing all the work. That's not me. I'm happy to do everything that I'm doing, right? Let's just get that straight. Not that kind of Martha. Martha, the one that's like, hey, I'm here. I'm just serving. I'm not going to... Interrupt again, Lord, and say, why isn't Mary helping me? Why isn't Lazarus helping me? I'm not going to, no, I'm just here doing my job. I'm happy. I'm just an unworthy servant. Let's go. Going to use my talents. I coached basketball, and uh, it was a rough day yesterday. I was just coaching fifth and sixth grade boys, and, and uh, we didn't really show up. You know what I mean? I hate sports illustrations. Who hates sports illustrations? You're like, I don't know. Yeah, thanks. Me, you and me, Grace. Like, because nobody gets them, right? Like, I think they're awesome because I play sports. And you're like, what, is he talking about something? Because I'm not sure what he's talking about. Did he say basketball? What is that exactly? All right. Basketball. Round ball. Dribble. Yep. Hoop. Shoot. Okay, that. Okay, so the point of it isn't about basketball. The point of it is about people. 
We have some kids on our team that they go out in the court and they're invisible. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you have some coworkers. Hey, let's just take it to the coworker. You have some coworkers, they're like at work, but you're like, what did they really do exactly? They're invisible, right? That's what I'm talking about. If you come to church and you don't serve and you don't use your talents, you're just an invisible person in the church. It's just like you're here, but you're not really here. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the example Jesus Christ brought to me as I was studying this point. And that's not what we want our church to be like. We don't want to be invisible to the city. We want to be visible. We want to be seen. You're like, well, that's proud. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. (laughs) It's not proud that our setup team showed up today and did their work so that you could walk in and all of this was set up and all of that was set up and you walked in, you're like, oh, look, there's signs. They're not here every day, you know? It's, it's The production team was here early, right? It's not a sin that they were here early. You can see what they did. It's awesome. The worship team was here early, worshiping and and, and getting everything set for us to have that awesome time with the Lord, that intimate time weeping before the Lord. Just, you're good, God. Your promises are amazing. And then at 9.30, I had somebody take a picture. Look at this. That's our huddle. We do that at 9.30 every week. At 9.30, you can come join that huddle. There's maybe 50 people there. They're like, we're all in. We're going to pour it. What our talents are, we're just you're pushing them to the middle. We're going to do something for God today, right? And, and I'm kind of like, why not every week? And about, I don't know, 40% of that circle is probably there every week. But there's a gap. There's a gap between people that are like that and then this other side where it's like, well, maybe I'll serve or maybe I won't, right? And how do we close the gap to see that Martha served is, is something that should happen in our life. It's like, I want to serve the Lord. I want to shoulder, we used to say this all the time, you've probably never heard it. I want to shoulder weekly kingdom responsibility. I want to work for Christ. Weekly kingdom responsibility. I want to work for Christ. Get that phrase in your head, man. Because that's what we're going for. We're not going for like, yeah, I served once a month. I don't know where we kind of like push back on that. Oh, we're like... If you want to surf once a month, great. Nobody's judging you. But that's not the standard, right? That's not the standard. Like, you can serve all the time. You could serve every week. It's cool. It's all right. Nobody cares. Like, it, it, I mean, it would be great. Nobody's going to tell you no. You could show up at 930 and be like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. Here's what I'm gifted at. I want to do it today. All right, I can keep going. Matthew uh, 5.16. Matthew 5.16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Uh, hopefully that just nails the point for you. Okay, I'm going to keep moving. Number three. Okay? What does my life smell like? When I steal time, talents, and treasures from Jesus, my life is spoiled. It stinks. When I serve Jesus with my talents, my life is seen. We want to be seen. Okay? We want to be there doing good for God. Not for our own glory, but for the Lord's. And then this third point. When I spend time with Jesus, my life is sweet. 
Can I get an amen? I know you're still writing it down, so wait. I'll just say it again. When I spend time with Jesus, my life is sweet. Isn't that true? Like, have you ever just sat in the morning with your Bible and been like, is there anything better than this? This is awesome. God, you're so good to me. Why are you so good to me? Why are your mercies new every morning? Why is this like a rushing river over my troubled soul? Why? It is. I don't know why. And if you've ever studied the word, if you've ever, I don't want to complicate it, if you've ever just sat with the Lord, look at Lazarus, his example, right? Lazarus says, was one of those reclining with him. I underlined that in my Bible, with him at the table. Lazarus was just with him. Just all in, just here I am. God, what are we talking about today? <laughs> and can you just imagine being Lazarus right there? Alive from the dead? Is there anything else he wanted to do with this time other than be with Jesus? Really? Probably not. And I think if the scriptures have touched you and you've tasted that, if it's been sweet, then you really just want to sit at his feet again. And I know there's the pressures of life. I have them too. And I rush by my time with the Lord sometimes in the morning because I'm like, I have so much to do. And every time I regret it. And when I come to the Lord and I say, I have so much to do, but I want to get with you first, it seems like I can get more done. It seems like I right-size things and I prioritize things better and it just kind of happens like a miracle because I gave God a little time. Praise the Lord, eh? Love that about Jesus. Hey, a passage you could go to, I would, I would have uh, gone here if I had time, but uh, Psalm 19, Psalm 19, 7 through 11. I'm just like preloading your devos this week. This is great, okay? So if you don't know what to read, here you go. Psalm 19, 7 through 11. You can just read one verse a day. That'd be an awesome start. I want you to know this. The number one uh, prayer request on the register almost every week is, I need to spend more time with the Lord. I want to know the Lord more. I want to read the word more. It's, one of the, it's the number one thing. And so I know that you want to do that. I'm just trying to convince you right now that spending time with him is so sweet. It's not like, you twisted my arm, I have to do it. Ugh. It's like, wow, that's a delight. That tastes really good. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's like going to Flapdoodles. You should try it sometime. I'm going after church now just because I brought it up. Like, that's how sweet it is. It's just sweet. It's just, it's just it's awesome. All right, here's a verse for you. Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611. Your words were found. Oh, that's not it. That's a different passage. How about this? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's the Lord. There's another verse. Your words were found and I ate them. And they became to me a joy. The delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 15, 16. Just read that this week. Jeremiah, what a great book. 
When I spend time with Jesus, I also have a story to tell, to share with others. Do you know that? I got a text from a guy in our church. I was in small group with him last week. He hadn't been reading his Bible. We pushed him really hard. We said, hey, just one verse, just one verse a day, man. Start in Romans uh, 5. And his text to me this morning was, you won't believe what happened. I read Romans 5, I read Romans 6, I read Romans 7. I was in an interaction with somebody. They quoted a verse from Romans 7. I said to them something from the Holy Spirit, right? And it was just like, and I was like, that's it. That's it. You'll have a story to show when you spend some time with the Lord. You're going to have God stories left and right when you're like with the Lord. It's so sweet. And it leads us to this next point. When I sacrifice my treasure, my life is shared. When I sacrifice my treasure, my life is shared. And it's expensive, it's rare, this perfume, it's poured out on Jesus, head to foot. Wish I could go to the other passage to prove that to you. I know it says it poured out on his feet, and the other passage it says it was poured out on his head and his body. I would just say this was full body worship. She poured the whole thing out on him. And she wiped his feet with her hair. Like, I don't know if you know anything about the culture, but that's like kind of immoral, right? That's undignified. For her to let down her hair in public is like, wow, what just happened? And I think we should all come away from this story going, wow, what just happened? This woman just spent a year's worth of wages on this man, right? And then, in an undignified way, just humiliated herself to wipe up the drops of it with her hair. How much does Mary love Jesus? I want to love him like that. That's how I come out of this. No self-righteousness anymore. I need some of that. (laughs) I love it. And it says in the other passage, Mark 14 and and, uh, Matthew 26, that this story will be told every time the gospel is told. The whole world's going to know about this story, and here we are talking about it today. It's so cool. I want to give my best to the Lord. I'm hoping that this is coming out of it for you, too. I want to give my best to the Lord, but here's the thing. I just want to close with this. When you step out in faith, in radical faith to the Lord, of course you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be. You're going to be criticized, just like Mary. Expect it this week when you step out by faith, in radical faith to serve God. When you push all in. That's what usually happens when somebody gives all or their best to the Lord. Makes me think of baptism. I think of baptism. We're going to have a baptism service December 15th, and some of you maybe need to get baptized, and that would be awesome. But I think of baptism, and I think of this. Whenever I talk to somebody about baptism, there's so much fear in their life of what people think. There's so much fear of, like, their parents. Well, my parents already had me baptized. Or, or there's so much fear of their peers. Or there's so much fear of the church. Or what it will look like. And I'm just telling you, Push all in and think only for Jesus. What does Jesus want me to do? 
He commands that we be saved. He loves us that much and he wants us to be baptized in his name. And I just think of it, the tension around serving Jesus in that way or other ways. And why do we have to think so much and say so many politically correct things when all we want to do is just serve Jesus with our life? Why all the tension? Mary was all in. And I want to be all in. And I hope you leave this message going, hey, I want to be all in. I want to do church with all of my time, with all of my talents, with all of my treasure. I want to be all in for Jesus Christ. I want to show Rochester, Minnesota that this isn't just a fad to me, but this I believe. That's the outcome of this message. I'm going to end it right there. There's so much more I could say, but I want to end it right there. Church, I love you. I love you so much. It's not an easy message to preach. It doesn't feel good to my heart either. But it's lovingly true. And it's desperately needed. Because people are dying and going to hell. And we don't know if we have this Christmas, next Christmas. We don't know how much time we have. Life is so frail. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to say that. He's going to say, this is all happening because I'm going to die. And he brings the urgency up and the focus on in the passage. And I just want to say to you, I think you have a decision to make today. And every day for the rest of your life. How urgent, how focused are you going to be on the things of God? What will you offer Jesus this Christmas?